values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. I've been awaiting for this interview. I was in New York when the story broke, and I couldn't wait to get home to talk with Clint Hickman. He's joining us. He's the chairman of the County Board of Supervisors. Um, first of all, thank you for coming in and talking about this. Hey, Mike. Uh, I... I, I, I was anxiously waiting for you. I, I just want to give you a little bit of uh, credit, too. You've been following this, uh, of what has transpired. You've had people on your show uh, that maybe I didn't see eye to eye with, and you gave them a fair hearing. I appreciated that, and I just thought, I need to, everyone's trying to talk to me. Um, everyone's trying to talk to the board, and it's said everybody can talk to everyone else, but I just know that I'm going to wait for Mike. I want to appear in your studio looking at you face-to-face and making sure that we have a good discussion. Well, I appreciate that. I want you to hear something. I played this earlier this morning um, on uh, April 8th of last year. Uh, when the I think the interim report came out on this, we had the uh, former Attorney General Mark Bernovich on the show, and I asked him, you're going to hear my question about widespread fraud in his answer, and then I want to get your first comment to that. In this report, did you find any evidence of widespread fraud? What the report basically did was provide an initial update to Senator Fan regarding our initial review of the um, 2020 election. Now, as you know, Mike, and I've said this from the beginning, and a lot of folks on the left and right have been critical, is that look, I'm limited what we can say while we have investigations ongoing. So I'm not going to reach a con- legal conclusion. <laughs> What's your initial reaction to that? After seeing the report, he, he had those findings. Um, so uh, it, <laughs> just par for the course, you know, uh, speaking, speaking, I guess, in tongues a little bit. Um, and that's that's the unfortunate and the frustration uh, that I felt, especially reading this report. Let me just tell you. You know, I've been asked about this. What do you What do you guys think about this report? Now, I can just say personally, um, I was happy for the first uh, five minutes that it finally has come out. Uh, then I then I've had anger every every sentence, and then knowing what he had, and then deciding to uh, change the total uh, the total findings. And then appear on right wing radio, and keep us uh, keep us on hanging, dangling on the meat hook. And when I say us, uh, not just the four, uh, not just all five, really, but not just the four Republicans, uh, not just the county recorder that it was a Republican is is a Republican now, uh, but for all of our election workers, um, we were trying to find out too. You know, we were we were coming up on running another election, and if there were some sort of findings, we wanted to know those. We w- we want to get better. We want to get better at this job. So, I, I just think it's almost like a, the separation of: Are you political? Are you a political servant, or are you a public servant? And I think my colleagues do the best we can to always know what our jobs are, and this absolutely. The suppression of this report, uh, and 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 then to leave it to another AG to finally expose, it and then say, "Oh, well, that's because political." Uh, I'm 
Absolutely. I said it in my words. I'm disgusted. And that's where I remain. I'm absolutely disgusted. And now I'm getting questions about, hey, what, what does the board want to do about uh, disbarment? Well, why does it have to be us people, us board members, uh, that needs to make a decision? Well, we're public servants. But why isn't the entire legal community coming out and saying, this is the top elected law enforcement official in the state of Arizona, and he has suppressed a report that might have gotten some people down the line. And sure, maybe they would have voted different, uh, but this is my anger. Why does it have to be us on the meat hook and then we take the abuse? Um, So I'm calling out to the legal profession here. I'm calling out to business leaders. Is this what you want? Is this the kind of people that you want in government? If that's the kind of person you want in government, you don't want me in government. That's for damn sure. So, Clint Hickman is joining me. He is the chairman of the County Board of Supervisors of Maricopa County. Let's talk about it personally for a moment. Um, we laughed at some of the accusations. I'm saying we here at the radio station. I've said it on the air in kind of a funny way. You were accused of feeding ballots to your chickens mm-hmm. and then setting your own barns on fire. Right. Um, first of all, it's a family-owned business. It affects you and your entire family. Um, can you – let's just address that, just that outrageous accusation. Can you talk about a little bit about the financial loss to your family and the loss of the chickens? I mean, there was – how many thousands of laying hens were yeah. lost? Well, let's talk about that. The, the first thing, the, the, the part that was gained by our family is we didn't, lo- lo- we didn't lose a, uh, an employee. Uh, we didn't use a, lose a human life, and it was very close. It could have been really bad, um, it, but it was bad enough to lose 165,000 laying hens just before Easter. That's a lot of eggs. That's a lot of hens. It was a dark day. Um, uh, it, was the, it was the worst day uh, in my business life, actually. Uh, it was the worst day in my brother's business life because both of them, one was out of state and one was in Prescott uh, rushing back. Uh, so, but to get, you know, I'll fold it back politically again. So here I am fighting a fire, and before the flames go out, I start getting phone calls about an internet saying that I'm burning Trump ballots. And then, a, and then a week later, um, or not even a week later, three days when people are saying, well, there should be Trump ballots floating all over the, the place. No, Hickman fed them to his chickens and then burned the house down. So, and, and they're sending a, you know, or maybe it's on the other side, sending a message that you need to, you know, you need to be quiet. You need to hush up. It's ridiculous. Let's talk uh, finally. Uh, and the reason why I'm saying this is because of all of this fallout with the accusations of stolen elections and your complicity in it. Um, you, what was it like to have people show up at your home with your wife and your children there? Well, thank you for asking about that, Mike. Um, <laughs> you know, first of all, it's against the law to to uh, to do something like to demonstrate in residential areas. And uh, I I was blessed to have two sheriff's deputies um, there protecting me. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest feeling having to be holed up in my house uh, with people coming on a Sunday night uh, demonstrating uh, against against me and saying that I'm fail, failing to uphold my oath. I would I you know I'm sitting there going failing to uphold my oath of office and protecting the Constitution and the values I hold dear and I'm sitting here hiding. No, I'm 
I'm having to hide in my house from you guys that want me to walk outside my oath. And for a great discussion on that, look no further than Rusty Bowers and what he went through. He went through two, ten times worse as his as his daughter lay dying. So there's 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 been some real classic quiet leadership uh, on display, and there's been absolute horrendous leadership on display for these last two years of my life. Do you believe that the death threats against you and against other people like Rusty Bowers and what you went through personally, not just politically, do you believe that some of that would have gone away or would have not happened had this report gone out er earlier? Well, to take to go so many steps back, um, this is these really started uh, catching fire right directly after the election. And then and then this was going on during the uh, the request and and during the cyber ninjas audit. Now look at look what we're at right now. The Cyber Ninjas audit came back with, uh, and I, I listened to Ken Bennett yesterday on uh, with Matt Salmon's show, and he was the li- Senate liaison. And uh, now watching him step away from it, you know, and being upset. Well, here's why you're upset. Why you're upset is they handed over that Cyber Ninjas report to the the Election Integrity Office of the Attorney General and said we need further investigation. There was not an audit at all. It was it was basically let's see if if the paper ballots thankfully uh, were there. Um, and they counted it and still came up with even more Biden votes. So they handed over this this report, this audit report, and said we think there's laws broken. Right. The Election Integrity Office then takes it and investigates all of these things. It gives us the ability as the county to really look deep and say, like, what is what are, what are people looking for here? What? So we explain everything. We explain everything within about, what, a two week time period. Um, and this result of him getting handed this report, then is the answers are suppressed. His investigators worked on the county dime, I'm sorry, the state taxpayer dime to come up with something to show the truth. And it sat. It sat through an election. It sat all the way to be handed over uh, to Attorney General Chris Mays. And I think there's I think absolutely there needs to be a search further. Um, I will tell you, Mike, sometimes you find heroes and sometimes you find zeros. I want to find them both in that office. Clint Hickman is with me. We're going to stay one more segment with Mr. Hickman. We have some questions to ask him about the future, but also some more about this. All this coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Clint Hickman joins us, uh, County Board of Supervisors Chairman, in the middle of this uh, report from uh, the former Attorney General Mark Burnovich in the 2020 election. Uh, Let me start with a simple question I probably should have started with. Do you and the other supervisors, and if you can speak for them, do you feel a sense of vindication now with seeing what this report actually said? You know, partially.
Totally. Uh, I think all of us feel uh, vindicated in some in some ways. Uh, I I do, especially uh, on the political side. When I I watched uh, in the report, it says that there were three uh, politically elected officials that said that they had evidence, uh, and they either flat out refused to come in, or as they know, if you talk to a law enforcement official, they said, you know, don't don't. There is felony charges if we catch you lying, and then all of a sudden there's their tune changes, but their tune doesn't change when they're out there fundraising. So I'm a little bit vindicated at that, and I, I hope that everybody understands what what most of this is all about at this point. It's a fundraising tool, and uh, I want people to know that. And the other the other thing is, um, I, I hope it vindicates me with, with uh, the citizens of, of both Maricopa County and the state. Uh, the, <laughs> I certainly would like to hear it. I would certainly like to hear people that stood down and were silent. Uh, my colleagues took and my and the recorder, and even at, at that one point, Adrian Fontes, uh, as he was recorded, we took a severe amount of heat over the last two years. And guess what? We're still standing. We're here. A report has come out. It shows that we were right. We it shows that we stayed within the law, and uh, I'm very happy about that. Um, when you, was there anything in this report specifically that you saw that surprised you? Yeah, it surprised me. Uh, the, uh, the footnotes surprised me. You know, um, the footnotes were were telling Pete. You know, basically, hey, uh, even when it when it came to the answer of of his interim report, and there was some. It sound, sounds like there's some stand up investigators in in that area. I think they still work there. Maybe they don't, but they were saying that's wrong. You know, that's 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 not what we found, and. Uh, that's a surprising thing. Um, I, I think there's going to be more surprises. I think in in Attorney General's office, I I certainly hope that the entire uh, paperwork is there, um, and I'd like to find out about that. I heard from someone this morning that's an attorney that said that um, the board – withheld evidence from the AG's office that the report has major holes in it and because they were awaiting evidence that you never provided and that it was because that report was incomplete basically that it wasn't released because it was an incomplete report because the board withheld evidence any truth to that and can you address that I know nothing about that. That's that's untrue. There there was a set of attorneys uh, there. Of course, Maricopa County Attorney's Office is pretty huge. Uh, I know nothing about that. Um, I know nothing. I, all I ever saw was complete and total co- uh, cooperation. And if they said they're we withheld for two years, we've withheld that. Why hasn't that made the news? Everybody wanted to be a hero in this space, Mike. I want to be a hero in this space. Uh, but I'm not. I'm going to let the. I'm going to be prudent about this and let and let the slow wheels turn. Um, so I don't know anything about that. I've not heard that. And every time we've ever were requested of things, it was definitely provided. That's all. That's what I know. All right. So one last question, a little bit off topic. We know that there were issues in 2022 with printers and other things at sites and questions about the election again in Maricopa County, which you and and, and in Gates have been very forthright about. Right. Um, can you give us an update on where that investigation is and any potential changes you see coming because of what you've learned so far? Mike, I uh, yes, it was important to both Bill and I uh, to get out there and uh, to and say that, hey, we need to have it. <laughs> 
because we've been through this, an, an independent investigation or inquiry, whatever. Let's find somebody. John Shattig performed that mm-hmm. uh, uh, during during this time frame. Uh, SLI uh, performed that. Packet uh, Watch performed that. I was asked by a reporter, "What's what's the big deal? Just hurry up and and just and just tell us what happened." We all know it was the printers. It's like, do we? I mean, who's going to believe that? The county is not in a space to grade our own homework. So an independent person, they said, well, that didn't work for you ever since. You've been talking about independent investigations. It's like, it works for me. It works for me. I, I want to make sure that the county taxpayer knows that we're not grading our own homework and we're go- dil- going diligently in there because it might not just be the printers. It might be, do we need to do different things about stress testing, all the equipment? Uh, what, it, what does that look like? Uh, could we have found this? Did we find something and just decided to do it anyway? I don't think so. Uh, but it could create new standards, new processes, uh, and uh, new procedures to, to run elections smoothly coming up in 2024. That's what I care about. Do you um, have there? How soon do you think you'll get answers? I honestly don't know. I, I've told everybody I'm stepping way to the side. I want I want a complete deep dive and not something that begats more questions. I want a complete deep dive into this by others that we don't control. And um, I honestly don't, I'm not even sending a question to Justice McGregor. I don't want her to feel like there's any stress that we have to get an answer, but the stress for the answer will come like, we want to do a better job uh, with the printers and the people and everything else in 2024. It's coming. Will you release the findings of whatever it is in this report? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If we've made mistakes uh, I want to know about that, and the and the county voter that votes us into these jobs to look into these things uh, should demand that. And uh, believe me, I'm not going to hold on to it for uh, you know three months after an election. That's that's not happening with me. I appreciate the time as always, um, and I appreciate you coming down. And hopefully, this is kind of the beginning of the end of all of this stuff. Mike, I, again, I so much appreciate you being able to to give us a little bit of time, and I'm glad I get to spend a little studio time with you. <laughs> Thanks. That's Clint Hickman, chairman of the County Board of Supervisors of Maricopa County. I'll be back in a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, Clint Hickman, a uh, big thank you to Clint Hickman for joining us in the County Board of Supervisors. We're going to move on to the economy in a moment, but I want to just wrap something up. We're going to talk more about it later. If you missed my interview with Clint Hickman, it'll be on the podcast later on, but we'll play parts of it back a couple of times. I think this is still the biggest story in Arizona. Um, and I will tell you that I, I disagreed with the way a lot of things were done, the audit and otherwise. I, I And I am a staunch Republican, for except for people in the party that don't think so because I didn't back this, the ele- stolen election. But I will say to you that not releasing this report was a huge political mistake for the former attorney general. And it may lead to, in my opinion, it may lead to some criminal investigations. I just think that this is a big enough story that we have to trust our leaders. And it bothers me. It gives me no joy to say this about someone I've known for a long time. I've known Brnovich. Uh, he used to be the uh, head of gaming here in Arizona. Um, so it's not something that I take great pleasure in talking about. But at the same time, we all expect we talk about election integrity. We just all have to have integrity with this. Uh, are you <clears throat> there's got to be a reason why you would withhold something like this. And so 
this the idea that the report was not going to be released. Um, and I just hope to the people out there that have been standing by and saying that I believe that the election was stolen. I've always been respectful of those people. I still am. I, if you believe the you have a right to your belief. But there has been time after time, court case after court case has come to a conclusion that there's no evidence of it. So, you know, you can point to 2000 mules, which I've seen, by the way, I watched the documentary because I wanted to see what it was all about. I just think that there comes a time when we have to put a period and move on. We should have done it before the 2022 election. We didn't. The Republicans paid a heavy price for that in the midterm elections. Every single election denial candidate lost. And the only two is what was interesting about that election. If you look at it from a voter perspective in Arizona, the two Republicans that won, first of all, superintendent of public schools, Tom Horn. Um, Education is normally, normally a Democrat stronghold. And yet a Democrat was defeated by a Republican. And I have no idea where Tom Horn stands on election integrity because he didn't talk about it during his election cycle. The number one vote getter in any statewide race, the number one vote getter of all of the statewide races was the treasurer. Kimberly Yee, again, a staunch Republican, no idea where she stands on election integrity, no idea where she stands on any of it because she didn't make it a part of her campaign. So at least on its face, you have to look at this in Arizona and say if the two Republicans that won never talked about their stance on election integrity and all of the candidates who ran on that platform as the number one issue lost, you got to look at that. And I just think, from my point of view as a Republican, I want to see Republican candidates win. From that point of view, I think that they, the party leadership has to take a look at that. Look in the mirror. Look at that and say, we have got to go to the voters and talk to them about the issues that matter to them. That is an aside from this report not being released. My life would have been easier, but I'm the least of the worries. Uh, Hickman had death threats. Uh, look what they've done to Stephen Richer. Uh, look what they've done to Bill Gates and some of the other members of the of the board. There are people that had legitimate, not just political threats that they were going to lose their offices. They've had threats against their life. It is absolutely absurd that this report wasn't put out there just as a, listen, we didn't find anything. Here it is. Read it for yourself. Do what you want with it. Didn't mean the guy had to go on a media trip about it. I'm not saying Brnovich had to go out there and and go on Fox News and go on CNN or MSNBC and say we didn't find anything. But not releasing that report, there's no way you can tell me that they didn't know in that office what they were leaving on the table. And I'm sure that when he left the office, he knew that this was going to come out. So I, I just I think the voters in Arizona deserve better. I, I, it's just something that, that bothers me. I'll, I'll, I'm just being honest. It, it bothers me when someone does this, especially someone who I've looked I, I really like. You know, again, I'm trying to be honest. I always got along well with Brnovich. Every time I had a conversation with him, it was always affable. He was a nice guy. But I think he did a real disservice to the voters in Arizona. There are a lot of Republicans, not that just would have avoided the death threats. That's obvious. But this would have changed the tone of the primary. I was at many debates. I was at many events. And every single event I was at was asked about the the number one topic in rooms of Republicans was election integrity. And at least to my face, nobody made it a big deal for me. As a matter of fact, once in a while, I joke about it and get kind of a laugh that I differed with some people. But even from the other side of the aisle, there wasn't a Republican candidate for any office in Arizona that wasn't asked by people on the left 
um, about their stance on election integrity. And every single candidate had to craft their message because that was the number one issue. No matter what's going on at the border, with our economy, or anything else in Arizona, it was the number one issue was whether or not 2020 was stolen. And now it's talking about 2022. But that was the number one issue two years later. We went through an audit here in the state that divided a lot of people, took up a lot of resources, a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, and then after that was done, the attorney general's office was asked to look into it. They looked into it. They found a report that said we found no evidence of widespread fraud. And we're still now, here we are all this time later, after the 2022 election, we're getting some answers. It's frustrating because there are so many other issues happening in Arizona that Republicans are strong on. The economy in Arizona is booming and was booming. That should have been something they rode that wave to victory on. And instead, whether they wanted to or not, they were cornered on talking about this issue without all the information they needed to have. Those candidates didn't have the information they needed. Um, in order to make a decision on how they were going to craft their message. So it was a disservice within the party. It seems very selfish to me that, you know, and, and again, the, the easy thought from people is that uh, the attorney general, what he did was politically expedient for himself, but he left everybody else hanging. He left everybody else swinging in the in the wind. Um, I am we are reaching out like I'm sure everybody else is reaching out to Mr. Brnovich. I would love to give him an opportunity. I've always been fair to give him an opportunity to explain why this report didn't come out. Um, I'd love to hear it. I think we all would. Um, and I think maybe at this time, because of what's happened, he maybe owes that much to the people of Arizona. And I hope that eventually he'll do it. What we're going to do in a moment is uh, we're going to talk about violent crime and we're going to get to the economy. I just wanted to wrap up my conversation with Mr. Hickman. And uh, in a moment, we're going to talk about the economy. So please stick around for that. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, violent crime, major cities continue to increase. It's a topic we talk about frequently. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk deeper about it later on. I was at a border summit uh, yesterday with law enforcement. It was a big part of this, an enforcement of laws, and uh, with former Governor Asa Hutchinson from Arkansas. And his career is very interesting. He worked in the Reagan administration as a U.S. attorney. Um, he was the head of the DEA at a time in the 1980s when the drug cartels, which I've talked about very often, were uh, taking over Colombia and switching from marijuana to cocaine, which uh, their empires all grew by leaps and bounds. So did their power. So did their strength. So did their armies. And what happened in the nation of Colombia was an interesting story. I'll tell you quickly. Um, when I flew into New York on Monday, um, I was on CNN Monday and Tuesday. When I flew into New York on Monday, um, the driver I had from the airport to the hotel in Manhattan from Colombia. And so I started talking to him about the country and we talked about the cartels and, and I asked him, how is Colombia now? He said, I was just back there. He said, it's a nice place. It's safe. It's different. It's much different than it was in the eighties. And he talked a little bit about that. And it reminded me of this comparison, which was made yesterday at this border summit about the violence and the criminal activity. The cartels are growing in power in Mexico. We had this huge drug bust recently and kudos to the Tempe police department and the, and the other agencies, the federal agencies that were a part of this huge 
huge bust where they found fentanyl pills enough to kill 30 million people. Um, they found guns. They found cash. Everything you find along with these cartels and the dealings of the cartels. We have to look at violent crime in our streets. We have to look at some of the things that are happening and figure out how we're going to fight them. And uh, this – we are going to talk more about the border um, in, in – uh, um, in a while, but the issue here is about crime and punishment. And when we look at the criminal activity, there are a lot of cities in this country that are run uh, by, and I say liberal, again, it's, it makes it political, but, but run by people whose opinions of punishment for crimes is different than a lot of Americans. And I believe that it's a, it's, it's a relationship that has to remain strong. We've talked more about this recently than ever before, that the police department has to be fully staffed, fully funded, and fully equipped so that they can go out there, fight crime, make cases, and get them to the prosecutor's office. But where we have to be more diligent, I believe, is when it comes to the prosecution side of things. We have to have prosecutors that have a policy of punishment, a policy of, of pursuing these people that are committing crimes, but they also have to be equipped and staffed with the people necessary to go to, the, go to court. When you have no choice because you are understaffed, you have no choice but to figure which of these are we going to pursue? Well, you've got to go and pursue the most serious cases. That means some cases that aren't as serious sometimes are pled out or go away. And the reason why is because they have to have their resources on the major cases. There's also a policy shift in St. Louis. The attorney general of the state is saying to the prosecutor in St. Louis, you've got 24 hours, and I think that's expired. Now, you had 24 hours to resign your office, or we're going to fire you because of a policy of lack of prosecution of crimes. We've talked about this in L.A., in Northern California, in Seattle, in other places in the country, in New York, where prosecutors have an attitude of of not punishing. We, you know, Again, the Michigan State University, the shooter there, was, was uh, arrested on felony gun charges that were reduced and it was it, this was a policy issue not a manpower or a labor force issue this was the policies of the of the prosecutor um, there they call it a district attorney the district attorney there um, that said you know we have too many people of color that are being incarcerated and we believe that this is in direct connection with um, some of these uh, laws so we're not going to prosecute some of these people then they let this guy off and he ended up becoming a murderer so we have in our society, we have to have this relationship between law enforcement. And I would say to you, I would imagine law enforcement is frustrated. You know, you have to live by a set of rules, which they all understand. And I'll, this is to me is conjecture. This has not been told to me by officers. I'm just putting myself in their shoes. You, you sign on the dotted line because you want to get the bad guys. You're not looking to bust heads. You're looking to keep innocent people protected from bad people. And so you you swear an oath to do that and you're out on the streets and you're making arrests and you're watching the worst of humanity and how they treat people and you're finding out that you're swimming upstream many times. It gets frustrating. Um, when you make cases, when you arrest people and you make good cases, when you do the investigation, when you dot the I's, you cross the T's and you find out there's a revolving door, it gets frustrating. When you see the same people in the system, out of the system, back in the system, out of the system and preying upon humanity, it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for the people that do that job. We have got to, I, I still think it's in the hands of the voters. Uh, I said this at the border summit yesterday, and I'm going to say it to you again. What kind of cities do we want to have? 
What kind of a country do we want? If we are not going to vote for leadership at the local level when it comes to crime and on the national level when it comes to border security, if we as voters are not going to use the litmus test of tough on crime, everybody says public safety first on their signs. If we aren't going to hold them accountable to that, then we are going to have the government and the justice system we deserve. When we have elected officials that are serious about funding the county attorney's office as they are with the the sheriff's office and local police agencies and the city government, then we get the government we deserve. And I think that that is something we need to learn a lesson from. And I hope we do sooner rather than later. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, did a Georgia grand jury uh, four person endanger the case against Trump and his cohorts. I'm going to tell you what she said, and you make the decision for yourself.